Hi, I'm Gary Sinise, and you're listening to Radio Richard. Thanks to all my Radio Richard listeners, and today I have a special treat for you. My 2010 interview with Gary Sinise, star of stage and screen, well-loved for his many film roles such as Apollo 13, Forrest Gump, and of course, as the rugged detective Mac Taylor in CSI New York. Now, it's easy to put people in convenient little boxes, but some people have more than one talent. Not only is Gary a superb actor and an actual real-life movie star, he's a rockin' funky butt bass player! Now, for this interview, I drove out to the 29 Palms Marine Base in the middle of the Mojave Desert. He not only talks about his acting, but also shows why music is so important to him. After 9-11, he felt compelled to do something to help the soldiers risking their lives all over the globe. He formed the Lieutenant Dan Band, a big 16-piece show band that travels all over the world, bringing entertainment and a taste of home to American soldiers. My dad, Tony Romano, was one of the original members of the Bob Hope Troop, entertaining soldiers during World War II in many, many war zones. So I was really looking forward to this interview with Gary Sinise on the very windy airfield in the dry but nevertheless picturesque area beloved by lizards and cacti, I asked Gary how he got his start in music. My parents bought me a guitar when I was in fourth grade, and I had never, you know, I I don't even remember having a desire to play, but they bought me a guitar, and um, so I took a few lessons as a little kid, and uh, eventually uh, learned how to play it well enough that I could I could get together with some sixth graders and seventh graders and play you know in in some bands back then and, and uh, eventually graduated to the bass and played bass and guitar all the way through high school and up into my early 20s I bl- played a lot of rock and in, in uh, junior high school and high school and then uh, after I got out of high school, I started playing jazz, actually. and I was acting and playing and acting and playing, and, and the acting uh, kind of took over at a certain point, and, and uh, I didn't play for quite some time. Uh-huh. I like the way you said graduated to the bass. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way I like to think of it. Uh, usually when you're that young, the, the guy who plays the bass is the guy who can't play guitar as well as the other guy, so <laughs> I, I got stuck with the bass. But I ended up falling... In, in love with it yes. and just, uh, you know, really had a good time playing it. I remember uh, in high school when I was playing jazz, I bought a fretless bass, just a cheap, uh, it was a, I think it was a Conrad hmm. or something, I can't remember, but it was fretless and I was playing playing this fretless bass uh, in jazz groups uh, mm-hmm. up into my early 20s and, and I had started a theater company when I was I just got got out of high school too. So I was going back and forth between the theater and and uh, music, theater and music, and then the theater company just got so busy, and uh, right. I just started, you know, focusing more on on acting. I, I think also that I never felt that I was going to have the technical skill to be a professional musician. That I was not disciplined in that way. To, to learn how to play as good as I wanted to play because uh-huh. uh, I was listening to, to Jaco Pastorius and Stanley Clark and all these you know awesome amazing bass players and I, I knew I'd never achieve that with my uh, 
lack of discipline. <laughs> so. But I think I think all musicians <laughs> feel that to a certain extent. Oh, I'll never I'll never get that good, you know. But we all feel yeah, that. It's you not know, I've always wanted to do do things well if I'm going to do them, and uh, I just felt that uh, that acting I could rely more on my sort of intuitive uh, approach to it. Uh, music you have to be technically skilled mm. to achieve a certain level mm. uh, i mean you just have to be and i didn't have the the eight hour discipline a day to practice and all right. that so well now as you were acting and playing at the same time did you ever contribute music to your shows because you were directing too of course um i i wrote a little music for a couple of early shows year you know very early on but i think m more uh, what I did do was I because I have uh, a, you know an appreciation for music and 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 play music um, I was able to uh, use music in my plays use other people's music one one of the one of the plays I remember uh, I directed in oh 1984 85 right around in there was a play called Orphans and the entire play was scored by Pat Metheny's music. And ah. I used Pat Metheny's music, uh, probably 15 different songs. Uh, I was a big Pat Metheny fan in the mm. 80s like that. And I used his, the entire play was scored by Metheny. Mm. And um, ironically, it turned out that years later I'd be playing with uh, Pat Metheny's original drummer. <laughs> Yeah. In, my, in my band yeah great and that's you know that's my connection to Danny Gottlieb who right. plays in my band now Danny I knew uh, was Pat Metheny's original drummer way back they went to college together and uh, you know Danny's on his first four or five five records and I used a lot of the music that Danny played on uh -huh. in this in this play but the, and you know I just had a an appreciation a love for music so I tried to use it in in, in plays as often as I could mm. The, were you aware at that time of any relationship between acting and 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 playing? In other words, uh, the, the process of making music, playing the bass, and the process of acting are, are they are they really different? Are they similar? Well, they're yeah, they're they're different. I mean, live music performances, you know, requires a, a, another type of discipline. You have a a bit more freedom there, I think, when you're working on a script. You're following the, the the story and the lines, and you know you got to go here at a certain moment every night, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody's expecting you to do it. Cause, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, letter B. Yeah, you're you're kind of <laughs> choreographed into it. Although you do have freedom to explore and do different things, there's a blueprint you have to follow when you're doing a play on stage or something like that. Music, music. You know, you're following the chart and you're playing the song and everything. But there's a freedom there that's a little more improvisational, especially in jazz. When you're playing jazz, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's so improvisational. You know, you have this structure, but then you're bound to to <laughs> play within that and do different types of things. The fact that I knew music uh, as a young theater artist. That found its way into sort of my theater company as a whole. There mm. were there were moments early on where we used a lot of popular music: Springsteen, Tom Waits, uh, Ricky Lee Jones, Pat Metheny. We were, you know, we were 
I did uh, one play that was written by a group of Vietnam veterans, so we scored it entirely with Hendrix and all these different mm -hmm. artists of that period. You know, my theater sort of became identified with rock and roll in a certain way in the early days. And when we hit on the national scene, we kind of got this label of being kind of a rock and roll theater. And uh -huh. That just came from certain directors and their use of music. Um, are there things that you can express in acting that you can't express in music and things that you can express in music that you can't express in acting? Well, sure. I mean, and there, you know, to me it's all, it's all about telling, you know, telling the truth of the moment. When you're on stage, you're in the moment with the other actors and you're trying to be as truthful as possible. When you're on stage playing music with people, you're, you're in the moment as well. There is one difference. Uh, one, you can kind of fake your way through a little bit because you're playing a character. Um, you know, if I'm playing, if I'm in the Grapes of Wrath and I'm playing Tom Joad, I've got my accent and I've got my clothes on and I'm, I'm trying to disappear into that character a mm -hmm. bit. Um, so Gary could be feeling tired or depressed that day or whatever it is, but uh, Tom Joad's got to be a certain way that night yeah. <laughs> for the play to work. But at the same time, you know, you know I've, I've seen the stuff on the internet of your band, and uh, it's pretty joyous, it's pretty happy, it's pretty, you know, up, up. Whereas, yeah. you know, obviously you could be feeling bad one night, you could have the flu, but you still give the... You act very well. That you're well. That that's that's the thing about the the music is kind of a release. It's me. It's it's Gary. It's Gary. It's not Tom Joad or right. or Lieutenant Dan or yeah. something like that. It's it's Gary up there, and I know that the audience is going to have a great time if Gary's having a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, there's and I've seen it before. There was one time. There's only one time in one show that we've done, and we've done hundreds of shows now where I let my mood uh, sink. Right. And I watched the audience just cave in. Mm. Um, because what had happened, we were in, uh, we were overseas, and we were playing an outdoor concert. And there's a moment where one of my girls brings up, um, one of my singers, she brings up a guy and sings to him on stage. Well, she was unaware that the guy had had too much to drink. And so she brought him up, and he started flipping her around and doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, I got upset, upset about it, and I tried to calm him down. We got through the song, and then we started the next song, and some other drunk guy got up on the stage, and I went over, and I got, I got mad. I said, get off the stage. And then I walked up to the mic. I said, nobody comes on the stage, and I was mad. Right. And I watched the audience just cave in. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, they're fun just sunk because I, I just stood back and I played the next song, you know, as, because I was upset. Yeah. And I saw my mood change the entire audience's mood. And I know that, that I, you know, I have to be, my mission is for them to have a good time. That's mm. if we play cover songs. I'm not there for them to, to, to show them all my musical composing skills or anything right. like that. I'm there to entertain them with cover mm -hmm. songs that they're going to enjoy. Right. So I have to enjoy playing them uh, for them to really enjoy it. And I've seen it happen too many times. They, they come expecting a very intense sort of actor guy yeah. who's, who's usually pretty intense in his movies and sort of 
you know, you know, serious and yes. stuff like that. But then within two seconds, they see Gary Sinise up there with a big smile on his face, hopping mm. around the stage and having a great time. And the, the whole mood changes. Absolutely. So I know how important it is for me to let my personality, my, my real enjoyment of what I'm doing come through. And, and it's sincere. It's not like I'm faking it. Yeah. I, I love entertaining the folks. I love being able to play music for these big crowds. Um, as a kid, you know, you always fantasize that you're going to be like the Who or something <laughs> like that and be playing for thousands and thousands of people. And now we do that. And uh, so later in life, uh, I get to pick up the bass again and go out there as a celebrity and draw these crowds in mm -hmm. to come uh, with a curiosity as mm -hmm. to what this actor's band is mm -hmm. going to be like. And 99.9% .9 of the time, they're pleasantly surprised that right. it's as good as it is. Yeah. I, that kind of reminds me of one of the things my dad always said about doing the USO t uh, shows was that you know, it was their distinct purpose to have as much fun as possible on stage because that's, these guys were doing such a, you <coughs> know, serious job that this was their release and they wanted them to have fun. This is their chance to have some fun and to have a taste of home. That's, those are the things that he was talking about. Yes, and that, that's important. That's why, you know, that's why we do the military shows. You know, we're there to give them some entertainment and some relief from the grind and to entertain their kids and their families and, and make sure they have a good time. And this is a family show, you know, it's not a show that is geared toward one type of person and one type, because one only. I mean, I know that we have to play a little something for everybody. So mm -hmm. we play stuff for the kids, we play stuff for the veterans, we play stuff for the active duty folks, men, women, we, yeah. we have fun. It's an interactive show. It's, you know, I wanted to put a USO show together not just go out and play some songs so we interact with the crowd and i give them a little some fun stuff where i come down in the audience and that's always a you know thing for them because they like to take pictures and yeah. have a good time that way and you know i want to leave them feeling really great at the end of the show and and that has translated into our public shows too you know we'll go play a club or a casino or a festival sure no matter where we are, we're we're trying to entertain the folks and right. give them a good time. Where, where did, can you speak a little bit about um, where the initial uh, impetus came to to do this to entertain the mil military? Because I know you're very passionate about that. Well, uh, I got I have veterans in my family on the Vietnam veteran side. My my wife's two brothers are Vietnam veterans. I have Vietnam veteran friends. Uh, you know, my wife's sister was a in the army, and she married a Vietnam veteran who stayed in the army for 24 years after Vietnam. Uh, they had a tough, tough time coming back from that war, mm. and uh, I just don't want to see that happen again. You know, to our active duty service members. So after September 11th, I just jumped in and just wanted to do something. We started deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan. And mm -hmm. And clearly, it's a dangerous world out there. The troops are going to uh, be um, called upon for many years to come, I think. And we like to have an all-volunteer service. I don't think, you know, a draft isn't going to be uh, a good thing for our country. So 
taking care of our military and keeping them strong and helping them through difficult times is something that keep, that helps our country and it helps our defenders. You know, we've got to have these defenders. They're going to be called upon. God forbid anything like what happened on September 11th should happen again. And, and these are the folks that are out there trying to prevent that from happening. Mm. So I just want to do what I can, do my part as a celebrity. I can go out there and shake hands and take pictures and play music and do different things to keep them keep them strong and uh, it's a good good feeling to be able to do that I've, I've been to so many places now and shaken so many hands and talked to so many people that I know what what I'm doing is uh, meaningful and and mm. and helpful so once you once you start doing that I just I just you know I can't can't stop I would feel like I'd, I'd be letting them down if I if I didn't keep doing it where do you think the most dangerous place you you've ever performed was the reason I ask this is because, again, my dad used to always tell me stories about how, oh, yeah, we played there. We got shot at three times while I was doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never been shot at. We've never had that happen. Luckily, thank, thankfully, we've never had that happen. Um, but, you know, I mean, when you're in Iraq or Afghanistan, anything can happen. Mm. You know, could be a bad guy around the corner. I mean, they, you know, bad guys in the form of suicide bombers are, are all over the place uh, in those countries. So you never know. But I always feel fairly, fairly safe and secure uh, that, uh, you know, you go on these trips and the, you know, the last thing they want to have happen uh, to somebody who's coming over there like me is, is to have any, anything happen to me. So I always feel very well taken care of uh, when I'm there. Yeah. If you go to a war zone, you're going to a dangerous place, so mm. anything can happen. But they take a lot of precautions, and mm. you know, make, they try to make sure that I'm okay when I'm there. He used to say one of the things that uh, when when they were performing, that when they talked to people who had been uh, captured or they heard about the the enemy, they were really kind of angry and annoyed that these Americans are so relaxed about so confident that they're going to be winning that they're putting on shows in the middle of the, in the, middle of the war zone <laughs> have you ever heard anything like that before no i haven't uh, but that's funny yeah. I mean, <laughs> look at there they're just just having fun the girls are dancing <laughs> exactly. on stage i mean they don't care yeah. they're in the middle of a war zone yeah no i'm sure you know look we've performed at places where there have been iraqis and afghans and you know uh, people Pakistanis and different folks. We've we've been in, in uh, you know, we've performed in, in different places where it's dangerous, and I'm sure, you know, they're curious. We were at a, a marine base called Camp Leatherneck in the middle of nowhere in Afghanistan, and uh, there were a lot of locals there that were, I just was watching them watch us, and they, they just watched us with a fascination, a curiosity. <laughs> You know, the Marines are all rocking out and jumping around, but then I looked at the, some of the locals, and they just were watching with a curious fascination. They couldn't quite pull themselves away, but they couldn't quite get into it either. Yeah. <laughs> so I always wondered what they were actually thinking. Well, maybe it was that. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been that, you know. What is this, a show? <laughs> I was interested in the idea of, because you're a director, what the difference might be between directing musicians and directing actors? Well, that, that's that's interesting um, because I do do my stage directing thing here with the, with the show as often as I can. If I had the time 
to really stage my show and have it be the same thing all the time. Uh, you know, same tech guys, same lighting guys, uh, all the effects and everything like that. It would be it would be a different show because I I would stage it all very specifically and do all kinds of lighting that's that's very specific to our show, and we would do it all the time. The way I direct a, a play or something like that, do, do theater. But I can't, so what we try to do is we set up certain moments in the show to make sure that, that whatever crew we happen to be using, because we use different crews depending on right. where we are. You know, we don't always have the same lighting guys. Right. But we give them cards, and my uh, production guys sit down with them and say, at this moment, you need to hit this light, and right. we need to have that and stuff. So we try to do as much as we can with that. Um, sometimes I'll have the time to actually work some things out. We do a big show every year at my studio where I shoot CSI New York. For that show, I get to use my special effects guys. I get mm. to use my lighting guys. So I set up two or three songs very specifically with blowing off fireworks and setting off fireballs. Right. And <laughs> Yeah. using certain lighting effects and all that stuff sure. at certain moments uh -huh. in the songs. So it's like a show. Yeah. I mean, it's like a show. I would, you know, this isn't what I do for a living. This, you know, this is something I do on the weekends uh -huh. or something. <laughs> so it's hit or miss yeah. with regards to that. Mm -hmm. You know, every moment in the show is not perfect because I haven't had time to rehearse it with the lighting and tech guys. Right, you right. Know? But... If I did, it would be more of a stage show with the way I would direct a play or something like that. I, I always loved working with sound and lights right. as a theater director mm -hmm. and and uh, became very good at it. And there was always sort of this rock and roll energy approach to it that I brought to some of those things. Um, that became, you know, I, I became fairly well known as a, as a theater director who would always, you know, have an a lot of energy in, in my shows and some of that had to do with the way I used the lights and sound yeah I try to do that as often as I can with with this particular show so again there's you know that's the the, the intersection of of my theater background with my music background right, right. that that if I had more time it would be even better than yeah. it is now and and what about directions to the musicians themselves I mean for, for instance do you ever say to one of the singers hey you know it'd be good if you did this instead of that or it would be more dramatic if you did Ye this Yes, yes, we have we have those moments in the show now, and those are staged moments. You know, there are moments in the show when the singers have to do this, or you know, a guitar player is supposed to do that, a horn player is supposed to do this, you know, a drummer is supposed to do that at this uh, particular s moment in the show. Uh, there's certain songs in our show. We know over 60 songs, so we can all you know at the most we play 28, 29 songs mm -hmm. in a in a show. Usually our show is two to two and a half hours long some of the songs that we do are in the show a lot because they're just great show pieces and I know the audience is going to always enjoy those they're going to you know there are home runs and if I take them out of the show I feel like I'm cheating one audience sure. so I know these songs work real well I know what they do to the audience so I like to give them those songs every time but then there's a handful of songs that I maneuver in and out of the show and the singers, everybody always knows what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be. Uh, you know, I don't have just random stuff where people yeah. are just running around doing whatever they want. There's yeah. a lot of things in our show that are just kind of set pieces, but, and but they've been you, designed in. If you suggest something to a musician or to a, an actor, who's likely to follow your direction more readily? Every one of them. 
Oh, good. Well, well who's going who's to say no to you? I'm Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I, I should have known. The guy that writes the checks. Right. You're right. Usually. You're so right. But I mean, usually no, but I mean there are stories about actors being difficult, you know. No, no, no. Uh, the, the great thing about this particular show, remember, I'm the bass player in the band. I'm not the lead singer. I'm not the, lead, the focus all the time. I've got 13 members of my band, me plus 12. And five of them are singers. Two of them are horn players. Two of them are guitar players. Two of them are drummers. And, and one of them is a keyboard player. So they all have their moments in the show. I, I let everybody shine. I, yeah, I'm the kind of... Uh, you know, this, I'm Lieutenant Dan and Gary Sinise and all of that, but there's many moments where I just hang back and like playing my bass, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, let, let the singers come out and say, we got a, we've got a song that where all five of my singers come downstage, they're all dancing, and, and uh, I'm playing bass upstage, and, you know, there's plenty of moments where I'm just kind of hanging back, and I let all these folks shine because that, that, that's what the show is. Yeah. We've got a lot of talented people on stage. I give them all their moments. I want to make the best use out, out of the people that I have, give them all uh, time to shine and, and, and let them do what they do best. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the only part-timer in the band. The rest, of the, best, the rest of the folks in the band are all full-time musicians and singers. Mm -hmm. So I'm the guy who, who makes a living doing something else. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's it's my band and you know if i want to stage something a certain way or something like that sure i don't think anybody's you know everybody's good with that and they know uh, you know who's running the band and and i always give them credit for for all uh, you know all the great stuff they bring to the mm. band mm, great and as an extra bonus for you radio richard listeners Here's Grammy-winning Danny Gottlieb, the drummer in the band, talking about working with Gary Sinise. He's a terrific musician. He plays really well, and it's a lot of fun. I, I was going to ask, because uh, for a drummer, the bass player is a real important guy. So what's, what's he like as a bass player to play with? Well, that's probably the number one criteria. How does he play as a musician? This, I, I wouldn't enjoy doing this if he wasn't a good bass player. He's got really good time. He's got a really good sound. And as he describes himself, he kind of plays within the limits of what he can do. That being said, he could make a you know could make a living as a bass player and did that before he was acting. So his time is really good, and um, and he grooves hard, and he kind of knows what he wants to hear, and he hones me in as a as a band leader and as a bass player. He's rock solid. Um, if I'm pushing or dragging, he's aware of it astutely, like a great musician would be. And he'll say, Danny, you know, I need it just to, or he'll look at me. Even yesterday in a concert, he just kind of looked and it was pushing a little bit. And, and I realized I just listened, paid more attention to where he was laying it. And then we played really well as a rhythm section. Yeah. So that's the, the main thing is it's so much fun musically uh, because he's really good. From the video clips that I've seen, he seems to direct dynamics as well with his kind of direct his kind of actions towards the players and he looks around at you and I can see that there's some kind of little thing of saying okay let's take it now and yeah you know he does control it that way in terms of dynamics I mean like he orchestrates kind of like an actor would you know and he he telegraphs things I watch him pretty closely um, he you know gives cutoffs and starts and uh, we usually I usually count off the tempos but he's again acutely aware of what's going on and he'll look at me if it's kind of too loud or if he wants to really push it he'll just kind of give me a nod and we're sort of communicating in that way what's the funniest thing that's ever happened on the, on the road with him 
Oh, funniest thing on the road. Well, I mean, there's been some musical faux pas mainly from me because, you know, as a, I love, first of all, I love to play all types of music. And, you know, this is a cover band where we're playing the music of other people. And if you did it all the time, I could see how this could be a little tedious and almost feel frustrating because you're playing other people's music. But the fact that I'm doing a lot of other things at the same time, I get to do this. And so I kind of approach each song really like I'm in the band that did it. You know, we play a Who song. I, I feel like, you know, I'm Keith Moon for one song and I'm trying to get that attitude. And Gary has learned the parts really authentically. So it kind of does it. We get to a police song, you know, I'm Stuart Copeland. And then we play a country song and I'm a studio guy. And it's really, really uh, interesting. So it's, it's fun. But at the same time, Gary, it's a segued show, which means one song follows the other very quickly. It's 25 songs. And there's no breathing room. You know, it's you've got to be on top of it. And he will change the songs every, every night. So sometimes I'll look at the thing, at the list on the side of the drums, and I'll forget what song we're playing. And I'll count the wrong one off. Funny, the funny things are when I go, one, two, three, four, and it's a ballad. You know, and they all look at me. <laughs> Or one night uh, we were playing uh, Chaka Khan's Ain't Nobody, and I was into it. We were grooving so hard, but it was also a tough stage sound-wise, where it was kind of, there was some kind of weird underhum, and it was physically exhausting. And we got done with it, and then the next one was Life Is a Highway, where it starts off with the keyboard player playing a sample of a car engine, and I have to kick it off, and I just forgot the tempo. I forgot how the song went, <laughs> and everybody's looking at me, and Gary's, what, you know? Yeah. But it's also. He's the kind of guy who rolls with it and has such a good time that it's not an uptight thing. You know, you make a mistake, you make it work. But, um, you know, funny things on the road, just uh, there was one that I wasn't a part of, but I heard about it, which was they went to, uh, there's a chain of uh, restaurants called the Bubba Gump Shrimp uh, sure. Company, which is based in Forrest Gump. And the band went to, uh, we, we went to one of them, but it wasn't as, as funny as the one I heard about where they went there and, the part of the deal is the waitress asks questions about Forrest Gump, and she asks what were the names of the prostitutes in the scene uh, in the bar, and Gary turns around and gives the answer, and she just, like, lost it. She didn't know that Gary was there. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun, or, or sometimes uh, Michael T. Williamson, Bubba, will come out and entertain the troops and visit hospitals, and it's mm -hmm. fun when people recognize those guys. And, yeah. Um, you know, nothing really... Um, you know too crazy but just an enjoyable every week an adventure and one of the most heartfelt things I've ever done the main function that this band uh, that the lieutenant Dan band does in terms of who we play for it's mostly for the troops and it, I had never been even been on a military base before this happened you know the way that uh, Beth my wife who plays percussion and I met Gary we were playing at the Epcot Christmas show uh, down in Orlando and Gary was one of the narrators and one day he said didn't you used to play with Pat Metheny and I said how how would you even know who Pat Metheny is and he says well you know I'm a bass player and I uh, actually he did a play and he used some of Pat's music and then he asked us to play uh, a gig that was coming up he said I have a band the Lieutenant Dan band and I figured it's got to you know how good could it be you know he's a famous actor how, how what kind of bass player could he really be other than just like a hack for fun and then we show up and, and they, well they sent me tapes and it was one of the hardest gigs I ever dealt with because at that time we were doing two almost hour well an hour and a half shows so there was 50 songs and if I was doing playing in a wedding band where I knew a lot of these tunes the more contemporary kind of you know songs that people like um, I would know them but it was it does you know the things are charted out I had to, it took forever to learn these songs but the first event we did was um, it was for the disabled American vets and Gary gave us a lecture saying now you're gonna see people 
that have no faces, that have severely burned, that have lost limbs, go up and talk to them because they want to tell you their story. And it was life-changing. You go there and, you know, sure enough, Beth was there with her best friend who sat at a table with a guy who had just had two legs replaced. And Beth's best friend bonded with him. And we ended up bringing him out on stage to play tambourine on a song. And they're still friends to this day. Really unbelievable. So the kind of the mission of the band was... Um, it's become something it's it's a different way to play music and very very satisfying you feel like you're doing something good